literally no nothing bad can come of having more diversity you're I mean you're improving and increasing the the empathy and the relatability within your organization that is only going to filter outwards that's going to create a healthier dynamic internally as well um, when I look at the world around me like Berlin is a very diverse place but my professional environment doesn't reflect that so I wonder what why that is the case and you know why am I not seeing those people in my workplace Project A Podcast. Welcome to the Project A Podcast. My name is Rainer. I'm CEO of Project A, the operational VC. And today uh, we have a guest, which is uh, Mira Innes. And um, I know Mira as an evangelist for the topic diversity. And I'm super excited to talk with you, uh, Mira, about that today. Welcome. Um, and maybe you can introduce yourself. Oh, gosh, okay. Um, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Um, so I have been working in startups for about 10 years now um, and working very closely with startups from the ground up. So I've been an intern, that was my first job at a startup, um, to uh, being a founder myself. Um, I've also been a COO. I've held various uh, different roles. So I've developed a very good understanding of exactly how startups work. Um, and also, crucially, what makes them not work. Um, so I've seen the really ugly stuff up close. And I brought that experience to a VC um, here in Berlin two years ago, Atlantic Labs. Um, and that was my first experience working in VC. Uh, it's been really incredible to see both sides. And now I'm very committed to uh, helping the ecosystem develop in a very healthy way. Um, and tackling the issue of diversity is just one way yeah. I do that. I think we met at the Project A Knowledge Con uh, for yeah. the first time mm -hmm. and um, as Project A uh, we thought um, among all the other topics that we cover there like uh, marketing, BI, um, uh, software engineering, etc. We thought it would be important to somehow give the topic diversity some space there. So together with our um, head of HR, um, Fabian Horstmann, uh, I was preparing a session on diversity there. And we wanted to give that like some some room and some attention. And um, you were in that session, and afterwards came to me. And I think after a short chat, uh, we figured out there's there's a lot more. I mean, we basically just tapped into that field, mm -hmm. and and wanted to get better in that, and probably also wanted to uh, like tell the companies in our portfolio that this is an important topic. And uh, and you flagged, and and I'm very grateful for that. That, um, that there's a lot more you can do about it. And uh, we kept the conversation since then. And I think probably this podcast can, can add to that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I attended the, the workshop. And first of all, I was so thrilled that you were giving that topic due consideration as part of all the other content that you had organized. Um, and then after that workshop, I did have some feedback. Um, and I was very pleased that you were so receptive to it. Uh, and we had a good conversation. So I'm delighted that you're taking it forward and really um, including this, this initiative into yeah. 2019. Um, before we dive into it, uh, one question that we um, came to, to ask all, all of the guests in our podcast, which is, um, was there a moment or a mentor that made you um, go into the startup industry? Uh, not really. I kind of fell into it by accident. I mean, this was, like I said, 10, 10 years ago. But then once I, I was um, 
in it. Um, I loved the, the freedom and the creativity and the opportunity to really explore your skill set and you know find your niche which I think especially when you work for an early stage startup there's a lot of opportunity to do that but since I've been in this space there are certainly role models and people that I look up to um, you know as we're on the topic of diversity um, Ellen Powell um, she has done a huge amount for diversity in tech particularly venture capital um, and Alexis Ohanian um, the uh, co-founder of Reddit um, and now Initialize Capital. Um, he speaks a lot uh, about um, mental health and he's a huge advocate for um, healthy uh, practice for founders. Um, and um, I also want to mention my uh, when I was at TechCrunch, um, the director of events there, Leslie Hitchcock, uh, she's been a huge role model um, in terms of female leadership um, and, and and the way, the, the precedent that she has set for so many other people, so, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Um, now, diversity, yes. what is that about? I mean, a lot of people talk about it a lot lately. I, in my position here at left and right from, from peers I work with and everybody wants to do something about and, and one thing that's probably good to, to, to clarify or at least discuss is um, to take one step back and say, what are we talking about? What is diversity? I mean, I understand there are a lot of aspects to it. There's, there's, uh, there's gender as a topic and there's uh, the, the color of skin and there, there are probably 15, 20, 25 more. What are we talking about specifically? Yeah, so, so first of all, um, from the outset, I want to say that diversity, it's such a complex field that affects myriad people in so many different ways. and. You know, my particular nuance is just one. So I can't claim to speak for everybody. Um, I will do my best to speak from my own experience and to refer to the experience of other people I know whom it's affected. But um, so Ellen Powell actually said it best that diversity and true inclusion addresses race, gender identification, age, uh, and many more categories and combinations of marginalization. And she also talks a lot about intersectionality, which is, you know, the, the intersection and, and where so many of those different nuances meet as well, um, that add uh, an incredible layer of complexity to diversity. Uh -huh. um, so if you think about uh, startups, um, why would you say is it important for startups to, to focus on diversity? Why, is, why, why should they make it a topic? Um, well, first, I think it's it's common sense. Um, if you think about who is the market that you want to reach, um, do you want to reach a very sort of homogenous, one-dimensional market of people that maybe a non-diverse organization will be able to speak to directly, or do you want to capture the entire market? Um, so I think the only way really of doing that is if you have um, a diverse organization that can speak directly to that market from their own experience, um, and in terms of customer base, you know, if the population is 50-50 in terms of gender, it's um, likely um, around that number as well for the, the market that you want to capture. So gender balance um, is incredibly important to be able to access that market. Yeah, that's because, because that's, that's an interesting point to argue uh, mostly with, I think that um, going for diversity makes your company more successful in a nutshell, right? Absolutely. And I think there are these two sides to it. One is uh, it just makes sense because you want to be successful with your company. And the other is that there's also some element of, 
of fairness to when you ensure diversity, you just give like the, 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 the different people that we are a fair chance and, and avoid that people get um, an unfair advantage out of being part of a group that you know is just like supporting themselves in making careers. Do you think that's an important aspect too? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, literally no nothing bad can come of having more diversity. Mm. You're I mean, you're improving and increasing the the empathy and the relatability within your organization that is only going to filter outwards. That's going to create a healthier dynamic internally as well. Um, when I look at the world around me, like Berlin is a very diverse place, but my professional environment doesn't reflect that. So I wonder what, why that is the case and, you know, why am I not seeing those people in my workplace and, uh, and also if your immediate environment professionally is not diverse, then you also end up being quite segregated um, yeah. when you're when you're out in the world. I think so. It's it's only going to have a very positive knock-on effect. Yeah, I mean, one reason I can imagine how that starts is um, there is a bunch of people that most likely come from the same university. They exactly. probably know exactly. each other from the same mm-hmm. university. So there's also a uh, like a limitation to the diversity in, right. in like educational background mm-hmm. and then most likely they have similar interests mm-hmm. and of course I'm picturing here like let's say the the white male um, WHU mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. student um, and his friends and they together say let's go on an adventure and we will now together start a company yes. so and that's where it starts and then they probably, when they're looking for a CMO or a CTO, they probably look left and right, like in their immediate mm-hmm. surroundings. Yeah. That's that's absolutely, I mean, you've, you've completely nailed it. So, you know, there's this echo chamber effect where that self-perpetuating, it's, I think it's only human nature that you find it easiest to relate to people who are like you and share yeah. the same experience as you. And education, gender and race are the areas where you find the most common ground. And like you say, that just keeps on continuing in a very cyclical effect. And that also limits your ability to think outside of that vacuum. Um, and the more you do that, and the more you perpetuate it, the harder it becomes to break that cycle. Yeah. I mean, in the very early days of a company, that's probably also just the easiest way, the easiest access to people. Just you look at the people you know. It's probably where you try to find your first money. Mm-hmm. It's probably where you f- try to find your first customers Absolutely. and probably also your first resources. Yeah. How or at what point do you think should, and, and, and that is probably understandable to, to, to some extent because when you're a startup, you are, first of all, what you try to do is you try to survive and bring your idea mm-hmm. like, to, to some level where it can just like then, yeah, uh, t- take the next steps. When do you think is the moment when you should say, stop, we now really have to work on becoming diverse? I mean, I think you've clearly reached a point with Project A where you feel that that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, it's how committed you are from the outset to building a diverse organization. Yes it is the path of least resistance to recruit from the environment around you. However, that's not necessarily going to lend itself well to developing a healthy culture in a diverse environment. So um, how important is that to you from the beginning? It will take a bit more effort, but it's it's worth it. Um, and also, I just want to point out the distinction between building a diverse organization and an organization that embraces diversity. Mm-hmm. So in the first instance, a diverse organization 
uh, you're more concerned about hitting quotas um, and empirically you've got an organization that kind of like ticks a lot of boxes. I have friends um, in, uh, in Berlin and, and, and who work in tech who say that when they were hired it was like a game of diversity bingo. That's the term that they use uh-huh. where they like tick yeah. several boxes. Yeah. So if you approach it with that mentality, it's not really going to become part of the cultural DNA of the company. That diversity is part of that. Um, however, if you are trying to build an organization that embraces diversity, then that is going to become apparent in every part of your organization, everything that you do. And then that will also filter outward. It will affect your HR brand as well. It'll be just by osmosis, it'll become easier for you to hire because people associate you with being an organization for whom diversity is a priority. And they see that throughout the company and everything that yeah. you do. Yeah. Um, but probably what reminds me of that is uh, we, we had one employee who uh, recently um, brought up the picture diversity is being invited to a party and inclusion is being asked to dance right and uh, I think that probably like summarize a little bit that yeah I think so how, mu- how much can you be part of it like are you yeah. there just because you tick some boxes or can you really be part of the organization and what it stands yeah. for by the way uh, thanks Miedle for, 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 for that quote she has sent it just like uh, nice. one or two days ago <laughs> makes a lot of sense so um, to conclude the first points, um, diversity is also a point of fairness, but it's especially important because um, we want to make companies successful and diversity is one key to it. Um, uh, there are a lot of aspects to it, but it's not about like playing the diversity bingo and ticking off boxes, but really like bringing people into decision processes and, and really live that topic yeah absolutely how do you best do that how do you achieve that do you have some like like practical advice you're now you mentioned project a i don't know if we are ourselves um um, a good example because we exist for more than seven and a half years now have Mm -hmm. 100 uh, employees but let's think about that company that startup that has now 30 employees Mm -hmm. and is in its i don't know it's, it's one year old what what can they practically do Okay, so um, a friend of mine is the CEO um, of a, uh, a medical company in London, uh, they're called Theolytics, um, and I'm not sure how big the team is, but they are at least 30 now. And she said that an investor um, had told her that out of their portfolio of 63 companies, they had had by far the most diverse um, applications um, from candidates and also the most diversity in their team. So. That she hadn't actually realized that until it had been pointed out to her, so she took some time to sort of look at what they've been practicing. Um, and firstly, it is very much about the job descriptions and the way that you write them. Uh-huh. So, when you're considering um, hiring for diversity, one of the first things um, that's important to acknowledge is that. Um, First of all, the way that job descriptions are written now and the types of jobs that are advertised in tech, there will be a lot of candidates that by default eliminate themselves from the running because they think that they're not qualified or they think that this, um, or perhaps they've been conditioned to think that, you know, uh, a role um, in this company or this type of career is not for them. So for example, I was not raised to believe that um, I could, you know, pursue a career in, in tech, for example, like that option just was not on the table for me and that was something that I had to come around to myself as an adult. So you might find uh, that that's very much the case in VC as well or any other um, type of 
uh, industry or company that typically seems quite male centric and your job descriptions have to take that into account and reflect that. So um, perhaps a good practice would be when you're writing those job descriptions. So I think it helps a lot that uh, she's a female CEO um, and she kind of brought this empathy and awareness um, to that practice in the first place and the fact that she has a diverse team. Um, so when you're writing job descriptions, have multiple people write it. Don't just have one person ask, have the job description drafted and then pass it around to different types of people that reflect the kind of candidates that you want to attract and ask them whether this is a job that they would be interested in applying for. So we are not talking only about making clear, like with in brackets saying exactly. um, FM, X or so, exactly. that, that everybody's invited to apply, but the actual phrasing exactly. of the job description shall be different. That's right. And so much of it, so much of bias unfortunately is internalized that you don't necessarily realize when you're writing something how it may sound mm -hmm. to other people that are not yourself. Um, yeah. There's also a really good tool called uh, Textio, I believe that's how you say it, um, and it's a tool specifically for this that you run your copy through that and it flags words that um, are biased um, or that might um, seem discriminatory um, yeah. or anything like that and it helps you to to clean up your job descriptions. That, that's actually a great advice because I think um, one difficulty um, with uh, gender diversity that a lot of startups uh, face is it's already so hard to find good people. I mean everybody's talking about the, the, the war for talent um, and um, if you just see that the, the talent that you get or the, 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 the applications that you receive are just all male or mostly male mm -hmm. and then you try to basically discriminate good male candidates just so that you can balance out your workforce. Exactly. Basically what you're saying is then you actually did it wrong or not, not as good as you could have done it. Uh, like one step uh, earlier in the process. Exactly. I think if that's the profile of candidate that you're attracting, you need to look at the way that you're advertising yeah. the jobs in the first place. And not only the job descriptions and the way that they're written, but where you are sourcing candidates from. So mm -hmm. talent is out there, even for a small company that's like, you know, 30 or under, if you're thinking about getting a balance, it's not that the talent doesn't exist, it's just perhaps that you're not looking in the right places. Mm -hmm. And you just have to cast the net a bit wider and start to be more creative uh, about the types of candidates that you're trying to attract and where you might find them, mm -hmm. and then start to educate yourself more about where those people are. Um, for example, I was on the Uban recently um, and I started chatting to a young Syrian student who's studying economics uh -huh. and he was obviously so smart and so passionate and you know so driven to be successful I mean in this instance he wanted to help provide for his family back home but you know you have people who are so motivated and very yeah. very intelligent where are those candidates like how do you tap into that base yeah. so it's just a question of um, trying a bit harder yeah you probably don't find this person then, uh, or there's a possibility you don't find that person on the, the with a LinkedIn network. profile by a yeah, direct exactly. search or so, but you have exactly. to find yes. in a different place. Yeah. Okay. So what else? What what are the practical advice? What can we do? Let's see. Um, letting your work speak for itself. Mm -hmm. um, and as I said, really letting that be part of your HR brand. So if you have any existing diversity 
uh, examples of diversity within the organization. Um, be vocal about that, but also it shouldn't just come from the leadership. It should also be from employees. Um, if you're doing a good job, then the employees will want to talk about it. Um, there's uh, one um, company that I spoke to and um, they have one gay employee and with him they were going to be celebrating gay pride. And that didn't, he was the one that suggested it because he felt comfortable enough and he felt secure enough in his organization that his sexuality was embraced, that he felt comfortable bringing that up with them. And then they decided to do this as a company. And that's clearly communicated throughout the organization. So everyone is aware of that. So commit to building that kind of a culture um, and it should be authentic. And I would say it's important also to acknowledge internalized bias. If you have only, if you've grown up in quite a homogenous, uh, non-diverse environment, it is going to be a byproduct of that, that you will have some internalized bias just because you haven't had that conditioning and you haven't been exposed to more diversity. So seek that out. If yeah. you know you want to diversify your professional environment, actually look to diversify your personal environment as well um, and as, as leaders especially put yourself in the way of more diversity to come out of that vacuum yeah. in an authentic way. Yeah. I can um, copy that a lot because uh, um, at Project A we, we actually made diversity our uh, company-wide overarching yes. objective uh, for, the, uh, for the first half of 2019. Mm -hmm. We work with, uh, with one company-wide objective every half a year. Yeah something that we recently introduced. And uh, one of the measures that we took is that we basically asked all our workforce um, to basically contribute to that. So everybody has the job, has the objective to contribute something. And the ideas that, uh, that the people come up with are, are really amazing. They're really great. And you can see that basically people, um, where they bring in diversity themselves already, they're passionate about, uh, about strengthening that. And I think within within a couple of weeks, we, we gathered more about it than from a pure leadership perspective, we could have created in, in that field before. Exactly. And I mean, that's, that's logic, right? I mean, you're part of that and, and you're passionate about it and then you drive it and um, it just makes sense for a company to use that yeah. and to, 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 yeah, to, to, to support it. For sure, absolutely. And you know, you'll probably find that once as leaders, you start vocalizing your intent more clearly and communicating it, that you'll find that probably there is more diversity in your organization than you realized in the first place, but perhaps you know people weren't comfortable sharing that necessarily yeah. because there are so many nuances to diversity. So for example, um, you, know, you, you had asked me once uh, how the ways in which I'm diverse. So um, I am, uh, I'm biracial, I'm a woman, I'm multicultural, I've grown up in different countries, so I identify as a third culture kid, which, mm. which is a thing. Um, I, and then there are also other more subtle nuances that might not be immediately obvious, like, um, and also my age, I'm in my mid-30s, and I am a highly sensitive person, um, and I'm deeply introverted. And those are also things that if your employees feel comfortable sharing those facets of themselves with you, the organization can adjust to not just to accommodate them, but really help them to flourish. And then you become more aware of the ways in which the people around you are so different, which you might not have been aware in the first yeah. place. So how about you are now that company that consists of five to 10 people and they're not diverse at all, but at least they figure that it would be important to develop in that sense. 
and we are saying that uh, probably it shouldn't be um, I don't know the the, the white male CEO together with a white male HR director and the white male COO who stand up together and say, yay, now we are diverse. Um, how do you solve that? I mean, you somehow have to get out of that mm -hmm. like bubble. You mean without hiring? I mean, like, can you make it a topic? Can you like raise it mm -hmm. without being part of it? I think this is something that is important for you that you say you should basically um, like represent that topic yeah. out of your own perspective. I, I, I would say so. It's it's inauthentic to speak about an experience without yeah. having yeah. a personal experience yeah. or interaction mm -hmm. with that. So I would say that in the case of a very homogenous group of, of people, um, getting them to diversify their own um, their own experiences, but also the people that they're interacting with, like I said earlier, so that they have more of an appreciation for the experiences of people not like themselves yeah. and just encouraging them to get out of this bubble and start hiring more diversely as yeah. soon as possible as well. Absolutely. Um, there's, uh, there's something I wanted to speak about called the edge effect. I don't know if you're familiar with no. that. It's uh, in ecology. The, the edge effect is where um, several habitats meet mm -hmm. and it is in that edge where the habitats meet that you find the most diversity um, mm -hmm. and the most um, in, in terms of business creativity and innovation mm -hmm. and there is there is we know this in business there's no innovation to be found from looking at things from a one-dimensional perspective, mm -hmm. right? And the same principle applies to company culture as well yeah. and, and diversity and employee base. So you want to diversify as much as possible so that internally ideas are flourishing, people's personalities are expanding, mm -hmm. um, I, it, it gives rise to creativity and emergence of new ideas, um, and those are all things that can be achieved with yeah. the edge effect. We see that a lot um, also in like different dimensions of diversity, yeah. um, for example, actually also as, as a part of that company-wide um, objective, mm -hmm. um, people from our BI team uh, started um, a little uh, test combined then with a, with, with a survey and, and some analysis about um, the 16 personalities um, theory. You can debate a lot if that is good or, or, or solid theory or not. Um, but it's at least a good, a, a good ground or a good base to, to start some discussions. Mm -hmm. And basically they invited uh, everybody in the company to, to fill out a, a test and if they like to share. And it's, it's quite interesting to see the diversity that we have across the different teams in terms of their personalities, if you at least believe like a bit in the results of that, of that test. Um, I think it's related to, to MBTI and it's, yes. yeah, it's, it's debated if it's uh, solid or not. But it, it triggered a lot of um, interesting discussions and comparisons also with, uh, with society and uh, between teams, etc. And also there we see a lot of, um, a lot of ground and a lot of um, potential for... Um, and, it's, and especially where we see that, as you described, the habitats are, are mixing or where they're bordering, that's where we have the, 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 biggest, um, the, uh, the biggest source of... Um, of creativity exactly. and good ideas, which is so important in our industry mm -hmm. because, well, we don't live from stone old uh, processes and organizations, but from developing things further. Right, absolutely. And I think, I think the danger of not diversifying, particularly in an industry that 
is supposed to support innovation is you become very boxed in if you think that you know you're supposed to conform to this very rigid archetype and structure and you don't feel comfortable you work in an organization that doesn't encourage you to feel comfortable showing all the ways that you are different um, then that's very limiting for everyone it's limiting internally but for output as well from from what you described that uh, people should drive what's important to them in that aspect mm -hmm. um, I also understand because I understand there's there are certain aspects in diversity that you it's probably a little bit harder to do something about it because they are not that obvious right I mean like um, we can have a good guess if if you're I don't know your CMO is a man or a woman um, it's a lot harder to say if you have enough um, diversity in sexual orientation in your company mm -hmm. because you won't go around and ask people mm -hmm. um, what they like mm -hmm. um, because that's a private matter yeah. and um, and you might have like a clue but you shouldn't have a clue mm -hmm. because that I mean that's probably wrong in, in the first place and and how can you um, try to develop in that sense or should you just like drop that and if, if it's important for somebody they will come around yeah well i mean if you're um if you're embracing inclusivity then as we said earlier that will manifest in every aspect of your company culture um, and show that you support diversity so it's yeah. not important to know who like what the sexuality of your employees yeah. is nor should anyone be under any pressure like you say to yeah. disclose it but the important thing is that as a company you are communicating your intent mm -hmm. and commitment to openness and inclusive inclusivity and diversity so that people know that whether or not they choose to disclose it they are safe being who they are within your yeah. organization yeah. and you know if they choose to share it like with this company that i was talking about earlier then great and you know you can embrace that with them and you can help to celebrate it and you know share gay pride together but if they don't that's still absolutely fine and they still should feel comfortable being who they are within your organization and it's not again if you want to know who which of your employees or how many you have that's again taking a very like quota driven yeah. metric oriented yeah. mindset which is sort of not the point yeah. you know the, the point is well we don't need to know but we hope that everyone feels comfortable and and you're also attracting um more people yeah. how do you see the cultural uh, dimension i'm myself um, a little bit a kid of the 70s so one aspect of diversity that mm -hmm. i bring in here is that for for industry I'm really old <laughs> um, and I grew up at times when um, gender equality at least feels to me like was a much more um, accepted clear thing and then we had the 80s with a quite a cultural spin back into a conservative um, orientation of men and women and uh, nowadays a situation that we often face is that um, at Project A or also in the portfolio, um, it's it it happens a little bit less often that women make careers mm -hmm. because at some point on the way, mm -hmm. when men keep going with their career, they drop out, at least for some time, for reasons like um, um, they get kids and they see that themselves in this in a stronger responsibility to look after the kids mm -hmm. or they follow their husbands 
because of their job to a different country or so. For, for me, as I said, as a, as a kid of the 70s, it looks a little bit strange, but that is probably some reality we, we live with today. But that then also gives them a certain disadvantage in climbing up the ladder. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, uh, so this isn't an issue that I've experienced personally, so I want to, to speak on it very carefully. But speaking from the example of um, my friends who've been in, in, in this position and other women that I've seen and their experience, um, I think the important thing to look at here is regardless of what an organization's intent is and how attractive they and, and accommodating they want to make it for female employees to stay once they've mm. had children. Um, it's also important to acknowledge the systemic barriers that are in place that are still designed to keep women in the home. So for example, um, you, you might be familiar with the maternity policy um, here in Germany, and I know that it's the case in London as well, where um, if my female colleagues who've gone on maternity leave, if they so much as check their email or take a call here and there or they're seen in any way to be doing any kind of work even if they want to stop by the office to say hello to it jeopardizes their maternity benefits uh-huh. and that's a very very difficult position to put a professional in yeah. and it puts them in direct conflict between their personal life and their professional life yeah. and that also is designed to keep women out of the workforce for as long as possible for the duration of their maternity leave. And then when they are finally allowed to come back, then it's very, I mean, imagine the position that that puts someone in when they have had such an intense experience that is completely non-professional, then to expect them to transition out of that and to drop directly back into work. So yeah. just from the outset, I would say that the system is rigged. Um, not in favor of women. Mm-hmm. So as employers, it's very important to take that into account and not only to um, accommodate women and facilitate their transition back into work and remove barriers, but also make it even easier by providing more initiatives that support women so that they can do both. Mm-hmm. And also um, women that I know who've chosen to leave employment so that their husbands can work instead it's just you know often a question of men still get paid more than women their husbands and their partners have better paying jobs so financially it just makes more sense for the woman to choose not to come back to work but on the other hand i also have female friends who love their jobs so much and they were compensated in such a way that they took the minimum amount of maternity leave possible mm-hmm. and came straight back to work and then their husbands yep. stayed at home. And companies like Google and Facebook also make this possible because they offer very substantive paternity leave policies yep. as well. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. This is also where, 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 where my personal struggle comes from because I would say um, the disadvantage that uh, w- w- with, with, with the legislation and the, and the policies that we have today um, when you're on maternity, probably that gives you a disadvantage. Probably the same applies for paternity, but fact is that this is just happening less. And this is probably something that as an employer you have to deal with and face. And if you want to um, support uh, gender equality at that point, then, then you have to accept that. At the moment, that's, that, that's a reality that, yeah. that you have to live with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Okay. And also, I think it's it's important to point out that you know if you're questioning why women are moving to different cities, say for example, mm. where it's like more family friendly yeah. and they're following their partners, then it means that the men are also leaving the workforce and they're yeah. also moving to those cities. But it's still the women that get questioned for doing that um, because I think women leave a bigger hole because there's just less of them. Yeah. So you notice when they're yeah. not there. If you look at the startup industry, what would you say or what is working really well about diversity and what's not working at all? Hmm. I still, I think it depends what ecosystem you're in. Um, in Berlin, I have to say that um, I am the brownest person in most rooms and I'm not even so brown. <laughs> um, so I, I find that, that quite problematic. Um, but by contrast, when I went to San Francisco um, last week, there was so much diversity, so much color, so much intersectionality, so many women. Um, so it, it is possible, I think, just more initiative needs to be taken. But I do think that, you know, it's also a question of awareness and people making this uh, a priority uh, for their organizational development. So it's there's so much room for improvement um, and there are things that the ecosystem here could be doing better. But then again, the fact that you're focusing on this as an in initiative for 2019, um, I think that's a great example yeah. and hopefully other organizations will take that lead too. Yeah. My impression is that when it comes to, for example, diversity of, of nationalities, mm -hmm. Um, you see that a lot in the Berlin uh, startup scene. Like um, it's it's very international. Uh, when it comes to gender equality, it's uh, probably uh, better when you look at uh, the total amount of workforce. Um, it gets thinner uh, when you go into leadership. Um, when you go to the VC level, um, and I have the the impression. When it comes to uh, sexual orientation, there's um, there's a big openness, but there's there's less focus on that specifically. But that um, or or there at least there are no uh, no prejudice or any 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 specific difficulties with yeah. it. Um, you 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 would agree with that? I would. Yeah. I mean, certainly. To be fair to the, the Berlin ecosystem, I do see a lot of diversity uh, in, on the associate level. Um, uh -huh. I, I'm, I'm part of a very active group of uh, women VCs um, here in Berlin. Um, they are very multinational, uh, very multiracial. So I think that uh, VCs here are doing a good job of hiring on the associate level. But certainly um, at leadership level, it's, I, I, I would agree, it's very sparse. Um, yeah. And again, there are systemic issues there to, to take into account. Um, I think leadership in any industry, um, it's hindered by the fact that, again, the system is kind of set up um, not to facilitate that for women. So, for example, um, I was speaking to someone the other day, a recruiter, who was saying that men are so much more prone to take risks. So, for example, if they're applying for a job, um, they could meet like one out of the 10 criteria and they'll still apply and they'll still believe that they have a shot. Whereas women will eliminate themselves from the running if, you know, they don't have like 80 or 90%. So just even like psychological differences like yeah. that, that uh, recruiters um, and employers have to take into account. Um, and yeah, the, the fact that at the top, at the moment, it doesn't really facilitate female leadership. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Do you have any specific point, any, any, any question? Any question about? Yeah, about Project A, about uh, diversity, how we do it here. Yeah, I'd be really interested to know why this became uh, such a topic for you um, and why you prioritize it and what is it about your organization that makes you feel like you could be improving? Yeah, um, we are coming out of a situation where our leadership was consisting or was, was having um, uh, two women in it. Okay, and two women out of? Um, two out of ten. Mm -hmm. And we weren't crazy happy about it only being two out of ten, but then um, within a relatively short period of time, um, they both decided to leave Project A for very private matters, and uh, we we talked with them a lot, and they 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 told us that it really had not to do with us treating them in any wrong way, them being women, but um, that just happened. And we were suddenly faced with a situation where our leadership mm -hmm. came from from a, from a too small percentage of, of, of women in, in, in the team uh, to zero, and we are now working on it. We now have to to uh, we are looking for solutions to that, but that a little bit rubbed in our face that that this is a topic that we should that we should um, right. uh, flag. Okay. Um, and that also made us look into all other kinds of aspects. I think we have, uh, there are a lot of diversity aspects that we're very happy with. We have uh, uh, among uh, 100 employees approximately, we, I think we are, we are having like 35 different nationalities, more than the half of our work, workforce is not German. Um, we do have people in the company that are, um, the, the, the way you call it, that are uh, more brown than you are. <laughs> um, you could also debate if, if, if there the percentages are, are, are right or, or too little. Um, but women in leadership is something that, 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 uh, that made us look deeper in, into that topic. And that's what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I hope that out of this initiative that we started, out of this podcast and, and uh, other, uh, other ideas, we will actually uh, become an even better company in that sense. Uh, do you have any initiatives internally to um, promote women female employees to leadership so any like training programs so we have uh, we have leadership trainings and we have uh, programs to 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 help people get into leadership positions that are open to everybody um, and they are certainly also open to to the uh, I didn't mention that number but uh, to the I think approximately 40% of women that we have in the company um, and we can of course here and there um, specifically invite them and tell them it would be really great if they would participate but here we are a, a little bit at that point that I also mentioned earlier in, in recruiting that we also don't want to discriminate um, the, uh, the, the others yeah. and tell them sorry but uh, it's unlucky for you that, that you're a man but you have less chances of, uh, of growing here. Sure, of course. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, even symbolically, if you were to elevate women to leadership positions or just hire more diversely at the top, that would also communicate yeah. um, to to women or, or more diverse members of, of the employee base that perhaps, you know, there are more opportunities for them and also they can pursue those. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, to conclude, I would uh, like to um, 
ask you how to get best in touch with you if you're from our audience. As far as I know, you're working as a freelancer at the moment. Correct. You are not only an, an evangelist and very passionate about the topic of diversity, but you're an expert about people's topics in general in companies, in startups. Um, I think you're open to work with VCs or with startups. So what's um, maybe like a, like a short advertisement for, sure. from your side? What's the best way to get in touch with you and, and uh, who should approach you? Absolutely. Uh, well, the way that I'm positioned now um, is to optimize the intersection of VCs and portfolios. Mm -hmm. um, and currently there is a gap there that hasn't yet been addressed um, that is very rela relational um, and that lies in uh, a conflict of interest um, and perhaps trust that needs to be built up on both sides. So I'm positioned best to manage the relationship building um, mm -hmm. between investors and portfolio companies. Um, and But I also do help with topics of culture um, for later stage companies um, and leadership for founders and also just providing support to founders in general. Mm -hmm. So I can be reached uh, on LinkedIn um, and Twitter. Those are probably the two yeah. best ways to reach me. Um, and my Twitter handle is Mirabel. That's M-E-E-R-B-E-L. M-E-E-R-A-B-E-L. Apparently I can't spell my name. <laughs> um, and uh, LinkedIn, you'll just find me as Mira Ennis. Yeah, we will add the, um, the, the, the links uh, to the notes. Okay, great. Um, we will consider maybe doing a second part of that, uh, of that podcast. Maybe inviting people from HR, from talent acquisition, from the operations and talk about even more into some, I don't know, practical hacks, things that, that can be done. Maybe also bounce some ideas. Um, I think that would be great when if we would find uh, the time to do that. Yeah, that, that, would be, that would be brilliant. I mean, you know, I think the way to approach improving diversity in an organization is, first of all, it's, it's a mental shift. Um, it's thinking about the way that you're approaching it and acknowledging, first of all, that it does take hard work. Yeah. So if you're committed to it, it's possible, but you are going to have to diversify your practices. Yeah. Um, and then speaking to people who can advise on best practice yeah. would be a very good idea. Yeah. And then about Project A, three more things to mention. Um, and you will find information about that on our website and also here in the notes. We are um, soon hosting the Venture Ladies, which is... Uh, which is an initiative um, about women working in the, in the startup industry. Um, we are hosting Unicorns in Tech, which is about the LGBT uh, community. Um, and in general, we are always hiring and whoever you are out there, no matter how diverse you are, we are super happy to have you here. So please go to our website and apply. Excellent. Thanks. I think, I think that's wonderful. Thank Thanks, you so Nora. much. We spoke to Mira after the podcast and she shared some additional thoughts on implementing diversity. What can we do to uh, improve diversity and inclusivity practices in hiring? So one thing to do would be to consider that there is no such thing as a meritocracy when odds are so stacked against diverse candidates, even accessing those opportunities in the first place. Um, that must mean that means that we must acknowledge that disparity is self-perpetuating. So for example, um, with gender, more male applicants um, for a role means that there are more male candidates entering the workforce, means that there are more male employees who have relevant years of experience who are then able to apply for other jobs in future. 
Something else that we can do to improve diversity in the workplace is considering environmental factors that affect non-able-bodied candidates and exclude them uh, from your workplace. Um, so, for example, um, I've been in too many offices where access and internal planning has made it impossible for anyone affected by, mo- by mobility to be part of that workplace. Um, that includes uh, buildings that have steps um, that are required to access the entrance or very small, very old lifts um, and offices on floors that can only be accessed via those lifts. So uh, as employers, we have to ask ourselves, how committed are we to actually creating an inclusive workplace and then uh, potentially make infrastructural adjustments um, to our environment to improve accessibility?